G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Federation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. This week, the Federal Government, the Australian Federal Government, reinforced that the rules are broken for working people. In a week when this government wants to give wealthy people a tax cut and workers chicken feed, wants to raise the old age pension to 70 years and the cuts to penalty rates for Australia's lowest paid workers starts on July the 1st, Australian workers must be wondering where the next hit could possibly come from. Last week, Stick Together reported on the Queensland Northern Territory ETU, the Electrical Trade Union's members, demanding answers on the Parliament steps in Brisbane over scant local jobs in the renewable energy industry sites being developed across the state, and in fact in New South Wales, South Australia and Victoria as well. All good to go renewable, but where are the local jobs? Especially when there is considerable government, or public money, being handed over to private companies. In this edition of Stick Together, we look a bit deeper into some of the other ways the federal government is taking the food out of your children's mouths. But first, some workers' news. On Monday, June the 25th, workers at Laverton Cold Store in Melbourne started 24-hour rolling stoppages after negotiations for their first workplace agreement broke down. Workers want a fair wage increase that reflects current cost of living. Workers are currently paid only 30 cents more than the minimum wage, plus an hourly bonus that is taken away from workers at the employer's discretion. Workers can lose their bonus without warning, putting big financial pressure on them and their families. Labor hire casual workers do not receive this discretionary payment at all. Many agency casual workers have been employed for long periods without being offered direct employment. Many of the workers have never been part of strike action before, says a union source, but only one member voted against the action. It is expected to go for some time. The National Union of Workers released the following statements from the site as members prepared to vote. But if we do happen to have to go towards a, some type of stoppage or industrial action, the members are clear on what could happen, mm-hmm. so they're all aware of what they need to do. But the main thing is that we push through to the company saying that we're not going to stop without redundancies being increased. We're an ageing workforce here, a lot of people here are over sort of 35, 40, so you know, to have those extra weeks in something where your job security may actually be a threat and then having to find work later on down the track may, may be a bit harder for people as they get older. When you do hear about, you know, coal sites are paying the four weeks, we don't see why we should be any different. It's, it's ridiculous that 
that we should have to fight it, you know, on our own when when we're talking to the one company and, and but just at separate sets, it's 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 just ludicrous. I think every coal site should have a one one EBA and and that should be it. On June the 20th, Telstra announced that 8,000 workers will be sacked in a cost-cutting exercise that is the biggest corporate downsizing in Australia's history. Telstra says it is targeting a further $1 billion in cost-cutting by the 2022nd financial year, taking total cost reductions to $2.5 billion. The news was delivered to unprepared workers through a live stream. Secretary of the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, Sally McManus, said after the June 20 announcement, they have chosen to make 8,000 people jobless. They have destabilised an entire workforce. They have chosen to deliver poorer service to their customers. They have chosen to put profits ahead of people, jobs and service. Today's events show that the end point of the privatisation process is joblessness, reduced service quality and the enrichment of a small group of senior managers at the expense of working people and staff. The Turnbull government aims to raise old age pension to 70 for those born after 1966. Julian Hill, Labor MP for Bruce. And I call the member for Bruce. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. I'd like to ask the Minister, sitting right over there, could you confirm that it remains the policy of the Turnbull government to increase the pension age to 70, that you're still trying to get this unfair change through in this budget? And I think, Minister, given you're new to the portfolio and clearly from question time you're not quite on top of things, I'll just give you a little bit of a sense of the history of this and remind you that Prime Minister Abbott's 2014 horror budget increased the pension age to 70, meaning Australians born from the 1st of January 1966 will have to work until they're 70 before they can access an age pension. That means Australians currently in their 50s and late 40s who are starting to plan for their retirement now will have to deal with not being able to access the age pension until they're 70, 70 years old. That's 52 years, Minister, of an adult working life before being eligible for an age pension. Now, my own mum, Minister, retired when she was 67. She'd worked all her life as a nurse, a bookkeeper and a single mum, and she died when she was 70. So under your changes, Minister, someone like my mum would never have got a cent of pension. It's a devastating change for many Australians who have no chance of working that long, and we will speak up for them. Their bodies won't take it. I challenge you or your out-of-touch, arrogant Prime Minister to come to my electorate minister and tell a bricklayer they have to work till they're 70. My brother almost completed a brickies apprenticeship, but he realised near the end there was no way his body could take this as a career, and he quit in his 30s. Great admiration for people who can stick it out, but till they're 70? We'll find a farmer in your electorate minister working in the sun and tell them they've got to work just a bit harder, stay out there on the farm with that sort of physical work. Or a nurse or, nurse, or an aged care worker. I met with a delegation of aged care workers brought here by their union, United Voice, a few weeks ago. You could go and tell them the Prime Minister's lines from question time today. 60 is the new 40, we heard from the Prime Minister. 
or get a better job. If you don't want to be an aged care worker in Braddon in Tasmania, just go and get a better job. I mean, how snobbish and out of touch. We can't all be an investment banker, now can we? The Federal Treasurer is quoted as saying Australians can forget about relying on the age pension when they retire. The age pension should no longer be seen as an entitlement but a welfare payment. Commentators have pointed out that for over 40 years, workers have paid a 7.5% tax that paid for the pension. Oforum.net points out that the old age pension is an asset owned and accrued by each Australian citizen who has funded this asset from their very own purse. The governments of the day were employed to amass, secure, invest and manage a fund that in its first five years bulged to almost £100 million an amount that today would be worth approximately $240 million. They did amass, secure, invest and managed, and the figures were colossal and frightening to them, and hence they conspired to hide them back into the consolidated revenue bucket, and to this day that bucket has been brimming with a 7.5% tax collected specifically and only for the old age pension. You're listening to Stick Together, Union News, Workers' Stories, Social Justice Issues. Over the last few years, the push to replace coal with renewables has meant major investment in the building of solar plants in regional areas across the country. The great outcome for the country of a greater reliance on renewables looked like a win-win with more good local and secure jobs. But what the Queensland NT Electrical Trade Union is finding is that federal policy is making it a haven for low-wage work for backpackers. We spoke to Peter Ong, Secretary of Queensland NT ETU, for background to the issues. So for the last... um probably 18 months I've been talking with government about um, the solar farms that are starting to be built up here in Queensland and at that stage we were only there was only one being built and we didn't know how many were actually on the table but what we did know was because of um, Malcolm Turnbull and his government's code of practice um, so because we had to pull out all those clauses around um, labour hire um, you know, and casualisation. So we had clauses that stipulated you can only be casual for six weeks, then you had to be made permanent. That was deemed um, not to be co-compliant. And our labour hire clause said if you have labour hire on the job, they can only be used for peaks and troughs and they must be paid the same as your agreement. As soon as those clauses had to be removed because of the code, we, we automatically saw an influx in labour hire being used to deliver um, the labour needs on on jobs, but the first solar job, RCR was the contractor, which was um, a contractor who had an agreement with the union, um, but they didn't employ anyone. They won the, the job under their um, agreement rates, and then they went straight to a labour hire company who started providing uh, labour with backpackets on rates of about 17 to $25 an hour flat rate. Now, so that means that every every amount of money that they made, half of the uh, salary costs goes to profit. 
Absolutely. So these these companies are making 40% margins straight out of workers' pockets um, without tendering on anything other than the, the cost of labour. So they'll tender on 48 bucks an hour. Their agreement would provide for a, a licensed electrician. This this first one would have required about 100 electricians. Instead, they utilise about 80 backpackers and about 20 electricians. And the backpackers will be paid 17 bucks an hour. And the electricians were hired again through labour hire on fifty dollars flat, whereas the agreement provided for, you know, forty eight dollars an hour plus penalties, plus allowances, you know, for living away from home, for travel, all of those things that add up. And yet now they were uh, labour hire was paying them just fifty flat. So I'd that was like eighteen months ago. So I'd been lobbying government around. Look, you've made commitments about jobs for the regions. All of our members and, and others have been starving of starved of good work in the regions. Um, there's been so no we're talking about places like uh, Townsville, Gladstone, Mackay. Yep. So uh, all of those people have been having to go and do work either on the upstream when it was going um, in in Queensland or travelling to Western Australia and Northern Territory to go and work on projects over there on shitty family rosters, four-on-one rosters, away from their families just to try and yeah. put food on the table. Yeah, so they were looking forward to uh, this new industry, renewable um, sector work back home in their own state, in their regions, um, only to find out that it, it wasn't ending up being good jobs for them. It was, A, jobs for backpackers, and the, the few jobs that they could get were on poverty wages. So we've obviously been lobbying the government to do something about that. And what I wanted them to do is um, we had lobbied them to set up a GOC, which is called Cleanco, which they've done. And we wanted this GOC to start building these solar farms themselves. So that they, And that becomes like a regulator and it's yeah, a public asset. It's a public asset. So our big concern around the privatisation of all these um, solar farms is... This government made a election promise that they would have... And this is the Queensland government? The Queensland state government, yeah. They've, they made an election promise that they would have um, 50% renewable energy by 2030, which is a great, yeah, that's great. great initiative. Mm. Um, but if we're seeing them all being built, owned and operated by private companies, and that means by 2030 we're going to have 50% of our electricity assets privatised. So that's a real concern to us. So we we wanted the G, uh, the GAC called Cleanco set up, um, and we wanted them to start owning, building, and operating these solar farms through that GAC. And that then could have also given us um, some sort of regulation around wages and conditions through the construction phase, and also to make sure that they're done by licensed workers. And for 18 months, I was talking and talking and talking. And obviously, you may be aware, we, we campaigned for about four and a half years. Well, that was what um, I was going to get at. You you actually worked very hard during that 2015 campaign to actually stop the privatisation of public assets and people supported you, didn't they? Well, that's exactly right. And I mean, it actually started back in about 2009 when we took down the the Bly Labor government, because she privatised 
um, rail, and that's why we yep. ended up with Horizon. Yep. And then and then went on to try and privatise our electricity assets, and we campaigned very hard against the Labor government, much to the chagrin of a lot of unions. Um, but we ended up taking down that government because of what they were doing, and then we removed the Campbell Newman government between 2012 and 2015 of a 72-seat majority government. We removed them in one term around um, the privatisation of electricity assets. So for this government to then ignore us um, around what we're seeing is privatisation by stealth and, and really not stepping in and giving us a hand to fix all these issues on these solar farms, it's a bit of a kick in the gut. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the federal government uh, never, never gives up its idea of the neoliberal agenda of what one crushing workers and two giving overall public assets to the big end of town or major corporations, Absolutely. foreign major corporations as a general rule. Uh, and so what they've done is uh, uh, held on to infrastructure funding unless there's an agreement to by states to do it in a particular way. That's right, isn't it? Mm. Yep. So they actually starve, starve the states of their infrastructure funding unless it's a model that they agree with. Yeah, and so just lately, $516 million federal loan to private energy company Genex for its Kidson 2 project in far north Queensland is what you're calling privatisation by backdoor. Well, it's, uh, the, I mean, the privatisation by backdoor for us is the fact that all of these solar farms are being built by private companies owned and operated, but then it goes, you know, we're, we're outraged yet again um, by the federal government is now stepping in and privatising the electricity assets of a state Labor government um, by the backdoor, by, by giving funding to these private companies to then build the uh, the solar farms. And, I mean, this this company's already built Kidston Stage 1. They're generating electricity and making money, and yet a government who's starving funding from essential services like health and education and um, sees fit to provide, what, half a billion dollars to... or $500 million to um, a private company. So uh, thanks very much for talking to me today, Troy Gray from the ETU. You've just come back from the uh, National Conference in Canberra and I was uh, wondering if you could give us an outline of uh, what uh, members from uh, other states are saying about the major investment that's happening in solar facilities in Queensland and South Australia and other parts of the country. Yeah, absolutely. Look, in short, it's a great thing. Uh, particularly in Victoria and these regional areas, you have these renewable um, projects. In particular, the solar um, farm, there is billions of dollars of solar work that have commenced and will go for the next decade. Um, there's been dozens of farms already completed in Queensland uh, and to a lesser extent New South Wales. So the idea of new renewables is a good thing. Uh, creates jobs in these areas that uh, are desperate for them. Um, but unfortunately, through the use of labour hire, and we've seen it, um, you know, for the last two or three years on these projects, that uh, local workforce is missing out, uh, and the wages and conditions have been decimated um, for the workers that should work on these projects. So, 
that was the general discussion we've had. Um, and as I said, we've seen it as recent as uh, over the last 12 months on two projects in Victoria. Um, where uh, we've had labour hire come in with uh, overseas backpackers and you know, good luck to them, we wish them all the best in that but these projects should for, be for, uh, for local workers so the debate nationally and the debate within Victoria centred around uh, what we can do about that and trying to ensure that, that locals do get these jobs the state government we've been dealing with them have been good you know, they're dismayed about these multinational companies who win these projects, promise the world, and then when they get on them, um, deliver nothing to the regional areas. So uh, you know, the blame does lay, uh, lay at a, a, a federal level. All these uh, companies are all being given large amounts of uh, government funds in order to support their investment. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, absolutely. So we should be, as the public, members of this community, be expecting some value for money, shouldn't we, in terms of local jobs? Yeah, and we've, uh, we've met with the local minister in the power industry side of things and said, well, look, you... Uh, and to be fair, they weren't across it at this stage. Um, so we've put them on notice that uh, this needs to stop. I know they've certainly had dialogue um, with some of the multinational employers that are out there saying that you need to pick up local labour, you need to pick up local kids, but you know, the laws are stacked against us. Right? So you've got a building code where the agreement says you can't regulate any of that. You want to send a union official up to these projects, they've got, in many cases, they've got to get on a plane for three hours or two hours then drive for an hour. The current industrial workplace laws says that organiser has to give 24 hours notice and the only place that he can meet people up there is in an office next to the boss's office. Now, that's what our workplace laws say at the moment. So, um, you know, it's just another example of why we need to change the rules and to get some fairness back into the workplaces around Victoria and you know, around Australia. Now, the ETU actually put quite a bit of money into uh, the the beginning seeding grants, basically, for uh, the Change the Rule campaign that's coming out of the ACTU. Yep. Uh, and you were a part of uh, the research process. Can you tell us about what you found out in that uh, beginning phase? Yeah, look, it was um, there was a number of us that uh, got together last year and I can't speak highly enough about uh, Sally McManish. Uh, her leadership is fantastic. Um, but we talked about the Change the Rules campaign and we did some focus uh, group testing, as you do, which was uh, an interesting process. But all the themes came out. The insecure work themes, labour hire, uh, and it shouldn't be strangely enough, but labour hire was a, a big theme in amongst... Uh, and these were all non-union people in the focus groups. Um, or uh, members that weren't, uh, or people that weren't members of the union. And the themes that came out resonate. You know, they're over the inequality. They get the fact that, you know, every time they turn on the TV, some politician says how great it is that we've had 27 years of consecutive financial growth, and yet we don't see the benefits of that. Our living standards have gone backwards. That come out um, again and again in the focus groups. The fact that the cake has gotten bigger, but our slice has gotten smaller, resonated, and it didn't matter what generation was speaking at the time, um, everybody agreed that uh, things, uh, the pendulum had swung too far, you know, so the days of, you know, when we, had, the older people particularly uh, talked about in the focus groups, what happened to the permanent jobs that were out here, what happened to, um, you know, the manufacturing industry, you know, and some of them 
directly related um, to being employed by labour hire and having no job security, none of the industry schemes applied to them that applied 10 years ago and that they weren't getting long service leave, they weren't getting redundancy. Um, you know, particularly some of the older people sort of questioned why we didn't have the right to, uh, to improve our lot in life and the right to strike in some circumstances was raised there. So um, none of it was any surprise, but what was surprising was the overwhelming um, themes that come out of it. Everybody, everybody in the focus groups, and they're a mixture, and they make sure that they are a mixture, were all saying the same things. Enough's enough. Uh, this inequality, I guess that's the the uh, the label that all these issues come over. Uh, the inequality's got to stop, sort of thing. So, and that was the the start of us saying, well, where we're at. Um, as a union, the ETU's been around 116 years, one of the oldest unions in Australia. Um, we've got a war chest there. We've been putting our pennies away for 116 years and uh, for a rainy day, and our state council and at a joint stewards conference uh, four weeks ago said, well, uh, it's raining, and we need to start to resource this campaign, start to mobilise um, our troops, and as well as that, have a political arm uh, to it as well. Um, and we were there at the inception of it, and uh, this will go on for some years. This isn't just about, or isn't about removing the Turnbull government. That'll be just a stepping stone along the way. This is about genuinely getting some fairness back into the system and addressing those issues that are out there that are affecting all Australian fam working families as we speak. One of the key things that you just said really was that the big end of town or the financial sector are happy with what's going on here and the governments that we've had have created laws that suppress the rights of uh, the working class to express themselves. Now, this is obviously a lack of balance in the way the system is operating and we're talking about governments of both complexions, I'll have to say. Absolutely, absolutely. So how do we keep them honest and actually uh, representing uh, people who are working class? Yep. Well, we have to articulate our argument, and I think we're doing that very well. The, the atmosphere out there, and it's largely, well, it is, it's driven by the, the inequality that is out there at the moment. The, the motivation uh, amongst unions, the um, feeling on that rally on the day, a mixture of um, anger and hope, I guess is the best way to, to explain it. I haven't seen, even back in the Your Rights at Work campaign days, I haven't seen it to what it is now. So there's a great opportunity for the union movement, as long as they harness that anger that is out there, um, to, uh, to harness that, to lead that, um, and to keep the politicians, and we're going to have to do it, honest, and uh, honest over the next few years. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Peter Ong and Troy Gray for being part of the program today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and brought to you on your own community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. 
Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together.